This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Gets it to Kuzmenko. Now for Joshua behind the goal. To the bottom of the right circle. Centering pass to Kuzmenko. Left circle. Makes a move. Cutting to the goal. Pedersen scores. A beautiful goal behind his back. He beats Martin Jones. And the Canucks lead 1-0. Here's Everly. Left corner. Right to the goal. He scores. Canucks turn the puck over deep in their own zone after a good sequence of play and Everly walking out front. Fires it past Delia. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Strong settles, makes the shot into the slot, rips it to the goal, tipped in front, they score. It completely changed direction. Not sure if it hit one of the Canucks or whether one of the Kraken got a touch on it, but nonetheless, Seattle scores on the power play. It looks like it was Jaden Schwartz who got a piece of it. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks can hold on to a two-goal lead, lose 5-2 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We're going to bring in Randy Janda into the discussion in just one second here on the postgame show. And as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 275 0650. It's a game that comes down to your perspective. If you've been liking the Canucks playing better of late and you're buying into their structure and, and playing better hockey, well, you won't like how they played the last few games, especially tonight, and also losing that two goal lead here uh, against the Seattle Kraken squad. But if you look at the out of town scoreboard and you're looking at the standings in terms of the draft lottery odds with the St. Louis Blues winning and the Detroit Red Wings winning, it kind of entrenches Vancouver in that 8th spot, nine spot. So it really comes down to your perspective when you look at tonight's game and how you feel about it, Randy. Yeah, it's one of those uh, the inkblot tests. <laughs> yeah. What do you see in this, in this inkblot? But if you look at today's game and tonight's game, you know, going back to the, the comment about structure and this team and where they were headed a couple of weeks ago, what I saw tonight was more individual efforts. You could see... That team game that maybe we saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, that is n not really there. or There's not many remnants of that there. So, mm -hmm. sure, there's going to be the optimistic part of uh, the conversation where folks are going to be saying, hey, look at the oh, this town scoreboard. Look at look at what's going on around the league. But I think if you're Rick Tockett, and what I can probably expect to hear in the postgame comments when you guys play them a little bit later on, it's going to be maybe there's some passengers tonight because, listen, first period, fine, but Seattle was not playing their game. When they ramped it up, guys, the Canucks, over the last 40 minutes of this game, had one high-danger chance. Yeah, that's tough. And, th look, they had a 5-on-3. They had a four-minute power yeah. play. And there were just wasn't a lot of shot attempts. It's ten shots on goal the final two frames when you're trailing for most of that as well. You know, I, I'm remiss to be too critical because, look, there's a lot of bodies – placed in roles that maybe that they shouldn't be thrust into, but you can see signs of slow erosion from maybe where we were three weeks ago to where we are now. Obviously, like a Horonic is out of the lineup, and so someone else has to jump up, but these new bodies come in, and it just doesn't look as tight and secure as Cohesive, it has. Cohesive, yeah. Yeah, and look, we're not talking about massive spells of just getting hemmed into your zone, but as there are little spaces that are opening yeah. up for teams... Yeah, there absolutely are. For instance, like the, the Schwartz goal I would look at. And look, it's Myers and Burroughs. They've been here. I get it. Yeah. But there's a little slow 
rotation on who's going to be closing down on Eberle and should Burroughs stay on on Schwartz, just stuff like that that just does open up. And tonight I, I noticed that I felt like more in the neutral zone and their ability to get out and get through into the offensive zone, that's probably the area where I look at and say that cohesiveness of that sharpness of just knowing where a teammate is going to be. It's probably why that PDG-Miller connection has been so good because they've been, I, th I think the term that was used today was predictable. Yep. Yeah. There looks to be just a little bit more connectivity. Bovillier's kind of gone up and down, so the Pedersen line's kind of been here and there. Obviously, Joshua's done some nice work, but it hasn't been as smooth as when Bovillier was firing on all cylinders. So I, I just look at stuff like that, that you know, th these last five games are probably going to look like they look tonight. And Seattle in that opening 20 was slow. They were not themselves. Uh, they really ramped it up in the second period, and one of the strong suits of their game, guys, is denying that blue line, right? They forced turnovers at the offensive blue line, which go back the other way in transition, and you could see in the second period they started to play their game, and you talk about not having that cohesiveness through the neutral zone. Part of that's because of Seattle, too, because once they woke up, it was like, all right, doesn't matter if it's five-on-five five or power play. We're not going to let you enter the zone that easily. Well, and I think, you know, to, to Bick's point, Defensively, I think they've they've done a good job of, generally speaking, not being overly, um, let's say, passive defensively. They've done a good job being in the right position, and it's not perfect, but it's been all right. It's to Bix's point, it's that aggressiveness you need, hunting pucks down, you know, trying to push the thing forward. Is, the, the state of the players right now, and look, I'm, I'm not saying hey, injuries here, like yeah. this, the end of this season is going to be look like this, but if you're playing dump and chase hockey a lot, do you have speed to go retrieve those pucks? Do you have guys winning those battles and Tonight, like Seattle, as you mentioned, like they stood up the blue line quite a bit, forced them in going deep. Okay, how many guys do the Canucks have to go chase after these pucks? Not many. Consistently, it's PDG, really. Even late in this yeah. game, he was the only guy that was able to do it consistently. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that's kind of the issue here, too. It's you kind of switch off a bit, but I wonder how the coach feels about it because he did mention today that you may think it's over. But we're evaluating how each one of you guys are playing right now down the stretch. And if we feel like you're taking your foot off the gas, that's not going to bode well for you. And when we look at some of the guys down the, st uh, the roster, I, I think, you, you know, Oman and Joshua keep kind of trying. And, you know, they, they obviously have it. We heard Brock Besser mention we're trying to change the culture here. He's sick and tired of this, sick and tired of that. What did you make of his effort after, you know, speaking passionately this morning about needing to change the culture here? Yeah, I thought he was average. You know, this is a, a player that had a couple of chances in tight, but overall when you're talking about engaging in those battles. Right. And I've, I've, said the, I've said this before where in an ideal world, you know, the player that you want Brock Besser to be, and especially when he was younger, was a, kind of a TJ Oshie light where you – Obviously, there's difference in the type of player that they are, but you want him to turn into that player where he can win those board battles. Oshina's prime was a monster doing that. Right. And when they won the cup, he was able to do that consistently. But I haven't seen that, you know, even elements of that from Brock Bester consistently. So right. today, I thought, it, you know, it was very much the same from, from Brock, what we've seen this year, where moments of engagement, but is it consistent? No. couple of chances, uh, no finish, unfortunately. And I know he's had a good run offensively of late, but are you getting the type of player that you think Rick Tockett wants? Uh, and I, I didn't see that again, unfortunately, tonight from Brock. I did, thought he was, you know, for the rest of the team as well. They weren't, you know, he was, he was he kind of was on the radar, off the radar, right. but wasn't consistent enough for, for me. I, look, I think the effort question for the guys that are 
veterans and making some money on this team. We'll have that conversation through the course of the, of the evening. You can always chime in 650, 650. You know, the, the point I go to is just, I, I, are you asking guys, or are you asking things of players that some of them maybe can't accomplish, right? And, mm-hmm. and the speed element. I, 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 think, I think someone like Dakota Joshua, again, fits a role, I think has done a decent job, but he's not really a burner. And now with Bovillian on that line, someone's got to go consistently retrieve those pucks. Right. Someone like Sheldon Dries. Again, look, we're only talking about uh, Sheldon Dries playing 10 and a half or just shy of 11 minutes. But that line, like Stanika, we're still looking for this development role of what is he? He's got some speed, but is he doing it consistently? It, it's guys like that that are looking at – they tried. Right. They're, they're, they're putting the effort of fighting for jobs, but – are we getting to the stage now where we've seen enough and they're just like not that next gear that they are going to get to to push towards? Well, you mentioned Studnika there, and I, I think he is in a situation that is it's similar to uh, Vitaly Kravtsov in the sense that there's obviously more trust in the Studnika. Mm-hmm. But when you're averaging around eight, nine minutes a game, when you are playing, and he had that great setup of Aid McDonough's goal a few games ago against mm-hmm. Calgary. But outside of that, are you able to do that consistently enough? But that's a play, right? If, yeah. if we're looking at this as training camp, and, and was it yesterday or talk, it talked about evaluation periods yeah. where he said, look, there's not a lot of time in a training camp to, to do something. So you have to stand out. I think we're talking about Jack Rathbone. He was Rathbone, so, yeah. so you have to do something to stand out. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's six games left, five games now. If you're getting nine minutes of ice time, and look, it's not an effort question because they're going around the ice, but you've got to try to do something in those nine minutes. The other day, Jack Stanika did something. That's a play that we're here, game removed, yep. talking about it still. We're just talking about one play. And I thought he had, it wasn't bad tonight, but it was an average night. For a player that's fighting for a spot to to make an impression for next season, make one play that stands out. And that's the thing I kind of look at tonight and say, there was uh, there was some of that missing. And I, I'm not going to, you know, Aiden McDonough, I thought, just fine night. Sure. But again, playing your first few games in the NHL, you do anything, it's going to stand out. It's like, hey, wow, he's kind of getting it. So I can give him a pass to him, to Hirose, a couple other guys. But some of the middle-tier guys, you got to do one thing to stand out. Yeah, I mean, especially for, you know, we look at a Rathbone, and we, we wonder, how do you fit in here, right? You see the talent in terms of his shot, his skating, and how he can move the puck. But you also see the flaws in how he processes the game, especially defensively as well. And... If you have those issues, you can live with them. Because Ethan Bear has some of those issues. Sure. But what does he do really well? He moves the puck really well, right? He gets pucks out quickly. And that's something the coach mentioned. Yeah, You don't have to be, be the biggest guy, but if you get the pucks and get that out, get it out efficiently, well, I feel good about your game. If you read and know where to be, I can trust you. Apparently he fights, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, considering the injury he had, which is very Yeah, that takes a lot of courage, guys. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's his face is not 100% healed no. from, from taking that puck to the face. I mean, it shows you, you know, how tough these guys are. I mean, sometimes... I mean, I know you're tough, but save your face, my friend. I mean, and, and that yeah. really started out of nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. He just kind of reached in on, yeah. on Martin Jones and takes a slash from Borgen, and away yeah. you go. But, again, that's something. Ethan you're Bear, standing out, yeah. Like, you do something in a game to say, hey, you're sacrificing for the cause. Didn't think you had an overwhelmingly tremendous game or anything like that, but you did something right. to stand out, especially in relation to your peers tonight. And, and, and this question comes in. How do you guys, how do you get buy-in or chance to evaluate players when you don't give them a chance to prove themselves? And I think it's a fair question to ask. It's kind of like a chicken or the egg kind of, right? Are they getting enough of an opportunity or is it more about the players showing something and what they get? Because Hirose keeps getting more ice time than these other guys. 
and he's fresh and new on the scene. And when we watch these games in person, especially, you know, we have the, the vantage point we have, which sometimes actually makes the game look slower and easier than it actually is. When you get closer to the ice, it, it's harder. But You can see it, yeah, form. The you, play, yeah. you see the plays form and yeah. see who's reading the game really well and really processes it, it quickly. And you see the issues here. Like, when I watch Kraftsov, I see the problems. I can't blame the coach for not playing him. When I see Rathbone, I can't blame the coach for not playing them. Now... Should Quinn Hughes? Colson, right? There's Even certain Pod moments Colson, yeah. in the game where you can actually kind of see him thinking the game, and exactly. that's not a good thing, Jim. Exactly. And you see other guys not do that as much, and that's why they get to play more. And it's kind of like, I get you want these guys to get opportunity and play, but if you just give these guys minutes that it's clear they're not quite ready for and earning, it doesn't make sense either. I just like them to not play Quinn Hughes 27 minutes in a game you had no chance in winning in that third period. I mean, I'm for that. Like, the ice time is kind of high on some of these yep. guys. But I can't fault the guy for not playing these guys more, given what we watch in person here every night. Well, look at the ice times there. and This comes down to trust, right? And if you are Rick Tockett and you're preaching accountability, you're preaching, in a sense, meritocracy, you're going to have to prove that you can play. And you mentioned Hirose, who... You know, is a smart player. You can tell the way he plays. He's he's composed. He's slippery. You use whatever descriptor you want, but when he makes that simple play, he'll he can make that pass to his defensive partner. He can do it, you know, off the glass and out. Yeah. But he's building that trust, and therefore Adam Foot saying, "All right, 15 minutes tonight, 16 minutes." Other players further down the lineup, Studnika would have been a uh, I think a candidate to be taken out of the lineup unless he made that pass uh, against mm-hmm. Calgary and does a good play. So he's he was given trust to come back into the lineup. Remember, this guy was a, a, yeah. a player that sat out for a long time. However, in order to earn 15, 16 minutes of ice, you got to do something. And for a coach that's preaching accountability and preaching that if you play well, I will give you more, you have to earn it. Otherwise, you know, in the past maybe with this organization, other organizations, you'd have kind of the, the death march to the end of the season and a lot of guys would be shut down and a lot of guys would get a lot of ice time that they didn't deserve Rick Tockett's not about that. He's not about that. The the Hirose Rathbone one is the one that's most telling because who got thrust into a power play role immediately? Hirose. Yep. Hirose. What's Jack Rathbone's like mo? Power play. Power play. Got he can move the puck. He got a very good shot. Can move easily. That's the one that stands out to me right now. Is if you want what internal competition looks like, that's this. And it's not as if they're not giving an opportunity to someone. So go win it. Like This is what your strength is. You should be able to win that role versus a guy who's just stepping in. And, and you've the, got to try to win it. And the key there is the day that Hirose signed with the Canucks, Rick Taka was asked about him, and he said, I don't know much. I don't know. He, he, he came in not knowing anything. It wasn't like he scouted this player, had a good understanding. It's like, you got to show me what you can do. Exactly. This is not his guy walking into the room. Yeah. This is a guy that he's saying, all right, you're at a spot where I have more trust in you. It comes down to that. Well, you know, and it's not like um, Rathbone didn't get power play time. He got one, a minute 28, sure. but Hirose got 2.15. And Hirose was playing 15 minutes last Myers game. Myers had to come off the power play. Yeah, and yep. that's given the coach's MO, that's not insignificant. But it also shows you when we look at a guy like Jack Rathbone, despite what we feel about him, it's now three different head coaches who've had the same issues with him. Travis Green, Bruce Boudreaux, and now Rick Tockett. So... You kind of wonder, it's, it's not on the coaches. It's like you're going to have to do something different to establish yourself. And when you see a guy like Hirose come up and all of a sudden getting more opportunity, or at least getting the chance before you did, I think that's, that's very telling. And what that tells me is there's upward mobility, right? When we sometimes talk about how 
you know, coaches are entrenched in who they like or what. No, this is a guy that he did not know. And if anything, organization has a lot of, I would say, a lot of uh, incentive to to have Jack Rathbone work up the, the ranks. But you got to do that on your own merit. You yeah. got to do that and building building that trust. Yeah, well, and the big thing, too, that we've seen with, from them before, too, I mean, is Rathbone's, the way he thinks the game and how he defends in certain situations is not great. There was one play in particular, and it was it happened in the first period. And I thought Hirose, you can see the, the processing like we talk about, but just in terms of, you know, the coach mentions wall play and how defensive can win battles despite not being the biggest guys. Yep. So Jesper Froden was in on a forecheck. He had the puck on a stick, and Hirose comes in. This is just behind the net, just towards the, the left post. And... He knocks the puck loose, but then he seals him along the wall. So so Froden gets stuck. Froden can't go to his left. Play's done. Play's done. Yep. The puck goes over. The Canucks got a clean exit going the other way. It's as simple as you get a, your stick on the puck, and then you seal the guy against. His technique was perfect. Froden's a bigger player, more aggressive player. Akito Hiroshi is, what, six feet tall on a good day, 170 pounds. Yep. But he got it. He got his positioning where he needed it to be. The guy couldn't move. He got the puck loose. Positioning and think, the leverage. Yeah. I don't see Rathwell making plays like that consistently. And this is the guy that came out of college doing it. So these are the things you have to see from him before you can look at him as a serious candidate to be on this squad. And there's a couple other plays, guys, in that first period, if I'm not mistaken, in and around the net, making that key, you know, play with his stick as well, where you're just saying, okay. The ability to be, you know, play strong. And sometimes when we think strong, we think of big bruisers and all that. No, just have a strong play in and around the net. Man, Body leverage, position. Leverage gets you a long way For sure, in yeah. this league. It does. It, it, go, it takes you a really and long way. The, the play I really liked of his in the second period, uh, he, look, he just gets a puck, and you could tell he wanted to skate with it. No space, so he turns back behind his own net. Keeps his eyes in front of him. It's not like he just is looking at the fans in the third yeah. row and saying, hey, I'll skate towards you and work it, figure it out as I go along. Ke- keeps his eyes ahead of him, finds a quote of Joshua. There's a zone exit assist to get the puck out easily under control, and Joshua can go take it out of the zone. Again, you're talking about a, a seal play. Here's a zone exit play. This guy's building something here through two games. Well, that's what the coach talked about. You watch him, like, you see something there, right? And I don't think he's a guy you look at as a serious candidate to be on the team next year to start. It's more about, is he, can he be an NHL player? And, hey, I don't even know yet, honestly, because yeah. we've watched him play two games. But the things we've seen are positive, And it's very, instru- it's very enlightening when you see how much farther ahead he is on, on some details compared to other players who are still clearly not NHL ready. And it just shows you how much more they got to do unless you find a way to score and you find a way to create a lot. And that's the same thing we say about guys like, you know, uh, Vitaly Kravtsov. And the same thing the coach said last year, Boudreaux, about Niels Hoaglander. If you're not going to do those things consistently, you got to score at a high pace. And, and here's the thing, too, like why the internal competition thing matters right now is this is no longer four years ago where the depth of the organization was completely shot and it's still not great but suddenly you can take a Kraftsov out of the lineup because you can throw in a Studnika and say yeah. hey like this is what we do now there's no two million dollar contracts clogging up the fourth line we're gonna rotate because yeah. you're not making enough money we're not emboldened to hang on to you so compete and if you don't rise above someone that's slightly above you, we can just keep playing this. And if you slide a little bit in one game, you're out. And the next guy comes in, he's going to get his run. Like I, I look at someone like Anthony Bavillier right now, who had great success with Elias Pettersson. Dries up a little bit, you slide down. Yeah, yep. It's as simple as that. Real competition. We, we are not 
we, we do not owe you anything right now. Yeah. And, and, and it's an, a cutthroat element, but that's the game, right? That's why... How do you intend to raise the floor if absolutely. you don't have that cutthroat element? But this organization had players that were just... And Niels Hoaglander is a great example where comes over from Europe. There's obviously some really good things in his game, but there's some ga- things that were obviously a flaw yeah. too. But he got a top six role right off the bat. And in the long term... Probably not the greatest thing for him, but now you're not at that pace, place anymore. And on Hirose, just to, to end off here as well, guys, we talked about this on the high end with Philip Hronik, where a player that looks comfortable on the puck, he can do a lot more than yeah. just that. With Hirose, he's got that same element on the lower end, where how often do you see Vancouver Canucks defensemen over the last two or three years that just look comfortable, that are in a position to take that half a second more to make a play, Right. In the past, we'd seen guys that maybe are heading back into their own zone, and they're going to make that rush de- decision. Yeah, is another one of these guys. I don't know what his ceiling is. We'll have to wait and see. He's got to have a, a strong offseason, all of that. But another player you can add to the list to say, okay, Christian Olanen's one player, Hronik on the very high end, and Akito Hirose as well that looks comfortable on the puck and can take that extra second to make the play. That's that hasn't been a trait that's been successful here in Vancouver over the last number of years. He looks pretty comfortable post-game as well with his uh, media veils. He's pretty chill. I think he's more comfortable with I mean, I still I still marvel at his last game post-press uh, conference. He's like, I play some big games in NCAA. This is nothing. It's not a big deal. I play big games. I think Kopitar and Daddy were in my ice. <laughs> not the other Kids today and their confidence. Love man. it, man. Shouts to his confidence. Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor, And we still have a few more of these to go. And the Canucks are hosting the Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday, fresh off of a big win in Calgary over the Flames. So is that Wednesday game, the game tomorrow, actually, I think it's more meaningful now, right? If Calgary oh, loses yeah. tomorrow, they're officially done? Uh, or pretty close to being done? Official? Not it's official, official. official. Pretty pretty close close. Yeah. They're getting very close to it. They're getting very, very close. All right, nonetheless, I'll see you guys on Thursday. We'll we'll chat on Thursday. Uh, That's Randy Janda. And keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We are going to go to the phone boards here in just a second. But, Bic, uh, what's popping on the text inbox? Uh, Colin from the Caribou, see my comment from 4.52 p.m. Guess texting in during Canucks Central. Rathbone, barely an AHL D-man. He makes bad decisions under pressure. Take a draft pick if an offer comes and runs. Uh, P.S. for revenge games, that was pretty boring as <laughs> pretty far as tame. revenge games Pretty go. tame. Well, Matt Beneers got on the score sheet he at did. the end. Yeah. So, so, so he got his revenge. Yes. Uh, 6.56.50. Uh, Ian, if you don't like this, you won't like the 23-24 Canucks. Now, I would say, look, at there's there's going to be turnover. Uh, yeah, happening to the I don't roster. think it's going to be. I mean, I don't think it's going to be this boring. I mean, it really was a boring hockey game in mm-hmm. many ways in terms of, you know, the for for the amount of shots Seattle had, they didn't have that many super high scoring quality scoring chances. And you know, if it wasn't for Colin Delia, the Canucks probably. I mean, they probably lose this game still, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe not. You know, by five, a five-two score line here. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in. Jokes for sixty, always welcome. Brandon and Poco. Brock Besser said he wants to change the culture in the dressing room after watching tonight's game, and it seems like it's a bacterial culture. That's Brandon and Poco. And uh, Poco texting in. Bacterial culture? Yes. Is that a thing? Yeah, like culture, bacteria, and cult. Anyways. All right. Yes. It's, I get. I get what Brandon is saying. Bix, like I. I don't. I don't care. All right. Uh, 
We'll get to more of your text messages. Let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650. Canucks lose 5-2 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken. Had a 2-0 lead. Elias Pettersson and Anthony Bavillier opened up the scoring for Vancouver, but couldn't hold on, losing 5-2. Which makes it their 10th multi-goal blown lead now. And the record was? Uh, 13? 13? You know, the, the, took a healthy run at it. Took a really healthy run at uh, the all-time record for blown multi-goal leads blown to lose a game yeah, in the National Hockey League. 13. Right. they got five games to go. We'll see. Uh, let's go to, on to the phone boards. We have Dave and Delta on the line. Dave, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, um, for Besser, he needs to turn himself into either Andrew Chuck or Tim Kerr. Uh, he needs to stop dicking around in the corners and get to the front of the net and shoot every chance he gets because that's his biggest weapon. And uh, why is Myers still on our team? Like, is there any way we can get rid of this guy? And what else? Uh, uh, I want to see more Jack Russell. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. That's Dave calling in. And we'll talk about Rathen. We, sp- we spoke about him a little bit earlier, uh, just just a few minutes ago. But as far as uh, Tyler Myers goes, we've been through this so many different times, but. He's heading it's into post-trade the, deadline. We can't do anything about it right now. He's heading to the final year of his contract this offseason. He has a $5 million bonus that needs to get paid. Once that gets paid, it's a lot easier to trade him. Um, he played I, under I, 20 yeah. minutes tonight, and he wasn't very good. And he hasn't been very good. The, the play that really stands out in my head is in the second period, Eberle skating to a loose puck in the corner, and... Tyler Myers essentially just guesses and says, oh, I think he's going to pass it behind the net, and I'll pick it off on the other side. And he basically gets bailed out because Jared McCann mishandles the puck when it comes to him in front of the net. Yeah. And then it, it kind of dribbles right to Colin Delia. They're able to cover the puck. Like, that's the one that really stands out to me. It, it's an easy fix. Just play the play in front of you. Yeah. Don't, why are you going to the far post? Stop guessing. And, and, and behind the goal line, too. Why are you going to the far post when you skated with the guy who's still in front of the net? Yeah, it just, it, it, it'd be one thing if you were just like, hey, it's one on two, I think it's going to go behind, and some trailer comes from behind that you just didn't see. You skated into the zone with Jared McCann. There's no discipline in, in his game right now, and, and I think that's been the big thing. And you see it offensively as well with, with the types of reads he makes and, and how aggressive he is oftentimes. It's just, it seems like it's really gotten away from him. I just don't know how it's going to get reeled back in. And the offseason, that's going to be the question. Can, can they do anything else about that? Besser getting his shot off more often? I think that's something we talk about all the time. The question is... is I think he had uh, five shots on goal tonight. He did. That was good. He did a good job of Eight it Eight attempts. Can he do that consistently? And, you know, he mentions Andrew Chuck, guys that lived around the net and then popped out and got their shots and everything. And if he can't create his own shot in transition and he doesn't have the pace, to uh, Dave's point, that's kind of the area you're going to have to be... Where are you going to find ways to excel scoring goals? If you can't score the way you scored before, how else can you do it? And it's usually easier if you get closer to the net. Also, Dave Andrzejczyk was like... Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be Dave Andrzejczyk. The, the prototype power forward, like six four two twenty. Listen, that's that's not Brock Besser. I, he, he's not going to be that guy. But I think the question to me more is how do you find ways to score goals, right? And that's going to be the big thing for him. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox six fifty six fifty. We'll take more of your phone calls and more of your text messages. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett and more as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to Sprong. Settles. Makes the shot into the slot. Rips it to the goal. Tipped in front. They score. It completely changed direction. Not sure if it hit one of the Canucks or whether one of the Kraken got a touch on it, but nonetheless, Seattle scores on the power play. It looks like it was Jaden Schwartz who got a piece of it, and it's 4-2 for the Kraken. Canucks go on to lose 5-2 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Home Air Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And uh, we do have a lot of reaction on the text inbox. We hit that hit that coming up in a second. We are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett coming up in a few moments' time as well, as soon as that audio becomes available to us. Now, when we look at this game here tonight, the Canucks had the 2 nothing lead. We saw Elias Patterson score a goal, and it was, you know, a, a, it was a pretty nice goal, to be honest. I mean, nice play, just kind of directs the puck into his own, uh, into the net uh, after Kuzmenko sets him up with some good play around the net. And then Connor Garland makes a terrific fake in a pass to Anthony Bevilier to make it 2 nothing. And it looked like, hey, the Canucks are on the way, uh, playing better compared to how they played the last couple of games, and their stars are making plays. And especially when you looked at the Bevilier-Garland combination, which piqued my interest when you have both those guys on the same line, albeit Niels Oma on the center. We'll see if that's going to be the case next year in terms of him being in that featured role on the third line, maybe more of a fourth-line role. But what did you think of the way Bavillier and Garland were able to play off each other tonight? Yeah, and you know we, we've had Bavillier on uh, the intermissions before when the, he was rolling with Kuzmenko and just talking yeah. about you know generating chemistry with a, a the other winger. You know, Usually we talk so much about centers, dictating play yes. and the chemistry they get with the winger uh but you're know, trying to learn the habits of another winger and you know he was kind of getting situated with Andre Kuzmenko now in this role with with uh Connor Garland I thought that was two very difficult plays Connor Garland and I think he ended up as second star tonight and he was good tonight uh the nice fake, which we've seen him do the slap fake before, uh, this time sliding it across. And it was a hard pass to get it over to mm-hmm. Bovillier, who's got to work real tight, just take that pass and get it, albeit into an open net. But he's coming in with speed. It's not like he yeah. kind of slid into the play and was able to settle it. He's coming in with speed, got to flip that in uh, real tight. I, I thought a really good goal. Uh, and Carlin Garland does all the work for Bovillier. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on Garland here throughout the course of the show. Like that's the type of performance I think we've seen plenty from Connor Garland, and why you know, what was it three games ago we talked about it's like maybe he should be with JT Miller instead of Brock, but he's finding a role on a on a third line, uh, and he's been consistently good for the better part of six weeks. Yeah, no, I mean he has been right, and I think when you look at his overall play too. He's been good in the role he's played, and if you feel like, okay, he's going to be able to be a driver on your third line next season if you can't move him, you can live with that. Now, that doesn't mean it's an ideal and efficient way of having it. Like I've mentioned, I'm not inspired by the notion of having him be your best player on the third line and then not feature him because on the Because of the $5 teams. million price tag. Yeah. The thing is, are you getting, like, are there players in other roles that are cheaper 
that you look at and say, hey, we're getting value here. Sure. We can spend a little bit extra just because this contract already exists. You can make it work, sure. But I'd rather reallocate those money, sure. that money in different ways. But still, regardless, it's something that you can look at and say, okay, that can work. And Anthony Bevilier now has what? He's His ninth goal with Vancouver has 19 points in 28 games. He just tied his career high in points in 30, with 39. That's off to him. You know, and 18 goals, which is his second highest total in terms of goals. So he'll break that and probably if he gets another one here before the season ends. He's hit 20 goals once in his career, 21. So, you know, you look at the numbers. It's not like, you know, it, it's these super imp- impressive numbers that, that jump off the page. But if you know you're getting a 40-point guy from Bavillier, you know Garland who hit 42 points now on the season, getting another point here tonight. They are giving you at least a baseline of production. And I am curious about what, those top two lines look like where Mikheyev comes in because if you're just thinking of putting Mikheyev right back where with Pedersen and Kuzmenko then what are you doing with Miller because I can see a line if you're looking at Bavillier and Garland it's a lot of money but I can see if you're looking at it as, as a third line there with a capable third line center like I can see you better be getting a strong big third line center now Stephen White Rock uh, texts in Bovillian and Garland look like children in the scrum against the <laughs> Krakens and, and that would be my thing is who's filling all those roles right we've, we've seen a Micaiah we've seen a Joshua we've seen a PDG who's that guy on that type of line in a Garland Bovillier line. Well, it, I mean, Bovillier is more of the puck hunter but he's not exactly the, the, the wall guy yeah necessarily like who, who's digging the pucks out yeah. Well, I mean, Pavilion can do some of that, right? And Garland can too, but I don't know. I But but look look to your point. This this is only a question because is the Mikheyev with Pedersen thing written in stone. Well, now, I, you can get away with it with Bovillier with Pedersen because Pedersen's going to draw so much attention and Kuzmenko, it works, but with with without Elias Pedersen on that line, suddenly it looks different. Well, exactly, right? And and I think that that's a big thing. And it's more about trying to figure out, okay, and we're at the point now in the season where we're like, okay, how can things fit next year? Sure. What are we looking at here? Ideally, you got to move off a lot of money on but, this roster, and that's always the disclaimer we talk about. But, yeah, it's, hey, there is a decent chance you can't make as many moves as you want to make. And if you have to come back with a lot of the same roster, how do you make it work if that's what you have to do? Just do the, the power rankings. Maybe, maybe we start the uh, the winger stock watch right now. All right, okay, let's, let's start it right now. Because so the three wingers in question, who are they that ha- that are making money? It's very clear. Brock Besser, mm-hmm. Connor Anthony Bavillier, Connor Garland. Yeah. Who's who's most likely to be in a top six role next year? I'd say probably Besser because you—that's the only role you can give him. Man, okay, right by default. I was going to say he's third. He's third. No, no, I, I get it in that sense. But, but like, you're right. Like, but like if you can't look at it now, I can't argue the case you're going to make because he, he can't play in any other role. Right? Because I mean, right now, Bavillier and Garland have played better, but at least he can carry a line or help with a line. Bester, any time this season, Bester's been asked to be the best player on his line. He's failed. He's struggled. So if if he can't do that. Then you kind of have to elevate him. It's either that or you healthy scratch him, or you play him on the fourth line. Well, they tried earlier this year. Yeah, and so that's in terms of role and opportunity, but in terms of power but ranking it, play, like how it, are you playing? And it how just are you goes performing? to show, though, like how inflexible that is. Then is if you were to power rank, then who's has to move the most? He's the runaway favorite because there's just no other role in which he can win in. Whereas Garland. Now there's proof of concept. Yeah, he can go to a different line. 
He can play with Dakota Joshua. He can play with the Nils Oman, and there's success. Yes. And you know what? Yes, exactly, right? But with Besser, at least you look at it and say him and Miller. Miller can carry him when he plays at his best. And you're like, hey, at least he can pick up some points along the way. It's un it's not ide ideal, mm -hmm. but if I'm power ranking their play, I'd say Garland's been the best player out of the three recently. Mm -hmm. And I'd say Bevilier. See, the thing is, I like Bevilier best out of the three because of he can the play role. Yeah, he can play, and he can play different roles, bring the speed too, has a bit more size and a bit more effective in a straight line. So I like those skills he brings. They're all the same tier player. They're sure. all the same tier. It's more about which one of the skill sets do you think and attributes fit the team better and roll better. And that's kind of what you're looking at here. And look, two years ago, we wouldn't have said they're in the same tier, but it no. just shows where Brock was to where he is now. Yes. Three years ago, North Division year, two years ago, he was a top 30 scorer. Yeah. And working hard. Now you're you're talking about a a scorer who's out of the top hundred. Yes, he's 109th coming into today as far as total points. I think he's 110th for points per game. The league catches up to you. Yeah. new new talent is infused into the league, just like we see here in Vancouver. Like new talent arrives, you have to maintain your spot. He hasn't, and so he slid down to the point where we're talking. You're either second line or healthy scratch. It's a tenuous hold for Brock in that spot right now. Yeah, oh, it, it, it is. It, it absolutely is. Jeffro, Texan, Bavillier, and Garland aren't big enough. Uh, and this one here says, Besser always had chemistry with Miller. Remember the lotto line? Uh, that's another text coming in unsigned. We'll get to more of your text messages here as the show goes on and your questions. We'll hit those. Plus, uh, we have some more... Canucks news to break down to some ex extent. The Canucks did sign another prospect during the game, or made it official at the very least, signing Cole McWard, righty defenseman out of Ohio State University. Their latest NCAA college free agent signed a two-year entry-level deal. We'll talk about him coming up in just a moment. But we mentioned the head coach, Rick Tockett, and now here is his audio after the game. And he was asked if he thought the Canucks had enough jump because we talked about this one, Vic. A bit of a meek effort from Vancouver on home ice, and let's see what the coach feels about the game. A little disappointed we had a day off. They had, they played last night. I, I didn't think we had energy for whatever reason. It's especially disappointing. Uh, you kind of made it clear to us, so I presume you made it clear to them that you'd like a response after the last game and didn't really get one. Yeah. Yeah, we had a tough time even dumping a puck in there for a while. Uh, they put a lot of back pressure. That was part of our game plan is to make sure you support the puck, get the puck in deep. You know, we, uh, we don't have the t that type of team to take it back and massage the puck. You know, we got to play a straight-ahead game, and we didn't. You know, the personnel we have, we have to play a, a certain way, and we didn't, and uh, there was no energy. Do you learn as much from about your players in a game like this as you do when they play well? Yeah, I mean, I think we put a lot of pressure on the the big guys, too. If they, they have an off night, you know, we need other people to drag people in the fight. And, uh, you know, a couple of guys, you know, uh, you know, Millsy, a couple of guys like that, you know, had a tough night in the sense, you know, they didn't have much energy. So that's where you need other guys to drag people in. That's what I think. There are certain forwards you need to evaluate in this process. How do you go about evaluating a goalie on a night like tonight when you probably didn't get a lot of defensive support, nothing offensively, uh, a screenshot, a tip shot? How do, you, do you go to Ian on that stuff, or can you even see it? Yeah, I mean, you, t you take a look at the goals, you know, yeah. how they went in, stuff like that. Obviously, the you know the first one, you know, wasn't a good one. But after that, you know, what, what, you know, what can Dills do, you know? Um, yeah, 
we were light in the corner on the one. You know, we, we stick checked. Uh, we sunk on the PK. Like, we just did some stuff where we've had, actually had did some good habits the last month. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe guys are looking at the end of the season. I don't know. It, it looked like some guys were just not into it. And they can't afford to, you can't afford not to be into it. I don't yeah. know. That's the, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, try, you're trying for your NHL lives to play, you know, in the league. I guess what I'm saying, that doesn't help any goalie, no matter who's in. Yeah, right, exactly. He's trying to win a backup job. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's true. Good point. Rick, is that something of a setback? We we haven't seen your club perform like that very often in terms of body language and energy, like in the third over the last 30 games, but we kind of did tonight. Yeah. You know, we – not excuse me. We had six six defensemen, the healthy defensemen are out. We're – we're switching different things, and and I get that part, but that's still no excuse. You're right; the energy level was not there uh, after a day off. That's the alarming thing. Um, I got to take a look at that because if you you know if you have days off and guys don't know how to prepare on days off, then I'm gonna have to start babysitting a little bit more. You know, that's just the way. That's just the you know that's hockey 101, coaches' rules. You know, if you can't be professional on a day off and come in and have energy, then Obviously, you're doing the wrong thing on a day off. I don't know what they're doing because the energy level, even last game, a little bit same thing, no energy. You've also, you've also had a lot of success. You, you talked early on about things like the, the slow line changes. Um, yeah, crap back then. But did, I yeah. thought in the yeah. third, did you? Oh, yeah. I thought, it, no, I thought the whole game. I saw some sl- slow changes. I saw guys, uh, when they were tired, not getting the puck in, they tried to make a play at the blue and then then change like these are bad habits that we I thought we were big striding on obviously uh, it, it crept back into some people's games bad what, habits what did you see from the power play just you know the power play gets this power play it's very talented but it it, it, it looks for pretty stuff and sometimes you have, you play teams that are got a good PK and then that means you have to work even harder you know, it might be a low play take at the net. It might be a, you know, it's one pass shot. People converge on the net. You can't look for a pretty play. And then when they get frustrated, if, if for whatever reason, our power play doesn't go good. Our five on five play follows it, which is a, that's not a good trend to have. You had a five on three at a key point in the game as yeah. well, and it turned into a goal against. What <clears> went <throat> wrong there? Uh, like I said, same thing as a five on four. A lot of pretty stuff. Passing through it, passing through it. A couple of sticks makes no sense to me. Like, you know, you, it's a high-risk play. And if, you, if, if you make a high-risk play, it better be in the net, um, not just, to, you know, to, to, to make another play out of it. So I, I've, it, the hockey IQ today wasn't that great from a lot of guys, and that's the power play too. It seemed like there might have been something that happened at the bench at the end of the second there. Was that the body language stuff that you've... Uh, I think Millsy was that frustrated. He missed that breakaway, I guess. I don't know. I didn't ask him. Something like that, but yeah, body language is uh, something that you can control, and it's uh, you know it hasn't been. I thought we'd been getting better at it, but it's you know it's not going to creep back in. It won't. I'm not going to allow it because body language is just a is not mental toughness. It's weak. It's weak-minded people when you have body language like that. You know, it, one and done. If you do it once in a blue moon, I get it. We I, you know we've all done it, but it's got to be once in a blue moon. You can't have a steady diet of it. Because to me, uh, I forget what coach it just re- was great. He, he had a whole thing. I think it was Kyle Lapari on body language. How it's it's really a good kind of press conference. He talked about talked about it, and it's 
it's a weakness, a, me- a mental weakness when you have bad body language all the time. So how important the last five games because you fixed a lot and it's, like you mentioned, some of it has crept back in these last few yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crept back then, and it, like I said, you know, some guys maybe are like getting tired. They're looking at the, you know, they're looking at hey, these are meaningless games maybe in their head. Um, you know, a lot of people in and out of the lineup. You know, um, maybe that's I don't I don't know, um, but the fact of the matter is you can't think that way. That's that's where you have to be strong mentally. Rick, we've talked a lot about your team's performance, but from a coaching standpoint, that team seems to be getting a lot despite not having maybe some of the like, classic top-end guys out, out of their players. Do you, do you have some admiration for the simplicity and speed with which they're playing at? Yeah, they, but they, got, they have four NHL lines. They're NHL players. Like, the, their fourth line is, is a good line. You know, they don't have much weakness. They did, uh, you know, I thought the management did a nice job over the summer. Uh, they got a lot of 28-, 29-year-old players that they're NHL players. It, uh, that's how they built their team. You know what I mean? No. Can they sustain it with cap and all that stuff? Who knows? But yeah, no, I have. Yeah, I, I think they've done a terrific job. They're they're a tough team to play against. You used Hirose on both special teams tonight. What did you think of his second game? Well, he's just a smart player. I, um, I think uh, you know he's got to put some weight on. We got you know he's got to get bigger. But for thinking the game, um, I didn't think he was in trouble that much last night uh, or tonight. I thought he did a nice job. Actually, seems, seems pretty composed. Composed, yeah. That's why you know it's hockey IQ. I, that's why hockey IQ is so important. I think that's why they signed him for the hockey IQ, and then hopefully the other stuff will catch up. Is he as chill in meetings or practice sessions as he seems to be when he talks to us? <clears throat> yeah, no, he's very, he's very. Uh, I don't think the moment's too big. You know, even before the game, his first game the other night, like Footy was talking to him, and he was kind of like pretty composed. That's that's a good thing for a young kid like that. Yeah, does it yeah. impress you, like the ice water in the veins thing? Yeah, I, I just like I just like the fact that you know you you tell him something. We talked about uh, some of the reverses, if the the team overloads, and he did it. Like he didn't panic. You know, usually some defense will panic. They'll throw it. They'll throw it up the pile. He actually reversed it twice, and we beat pressure. So that that's a good thing when uh, when a young player like that's in a pressure situation. You see how he deals with it. So there is something there for sure. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 loss on home ice against the Seattle Kraken. We called it a meek effort from the team. The head coach, well, he was even more critical. No energy, disappointing after a day off. Mentions that um, it's mental weakness when you have bad body language. Weak-minded people. Meek, weak-minded people and says, you know, they had a day off. And we can't be babysitting guys to getting them to be ready for. Yeah, he used the word babysit as well. I, he's been critical. This was like I I have no time for this type of performance from the head. Very team. akin to the last Seattle Kraken uh, yeah. press conference where he was he called them bl- soft, blown away. Yeah, six fifty, six fifty. Tyler texting in. Welcome to the Canucks. Hashtag Rick rolled. Hashtag <laughs> jokes per sixty. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Phil in West Vancouver. Now Tockett knows what he got himself into. He's not putting up with any of the lollygagging. He nailed the team's problems and management. Better do something soon. Enough waiting for summer at the training camp. Somebody in management move. That's Phil in West Vancouver. And, I mean, the movement stuff in terms of trades, you're going to have to wait for the Mm offseason. The Canucks can technically make trades, but... The real movement doesn't happen until yeah. you know after June. the season ends, yeah. June. So that's kind of where you're you're at. But it's clear that, Bick, you know, we've mentioned this how, how many times now. This is now three head coaches in just over a year who are saying a lot of the same stuff. 
self-preparation. I don't know what I have to do to get these guys ready. I don't know what happened. They had a day off. Boudreaux was out of his mind about it last year towards the end of the season. Travis Green talked about it. So, I mean, how many of these guys can you actually come back with, right? And and we'll see what – hey, part of it is what you can do, what you can't do, but it's very clear – the coach wants to see some changes here, obviously, and at the, seri- at the very least, a mentality change with how these guys go about it. What did you think of calling out JT Miller a little bit? Because he was asked, you know, he had a couple bad line changes, bad body language, and he really laid into the body language stuff when asked about JT to some extent. Yeah, he did kind of give himself an out saying, hey, every once in a while, once in a blue moon, yeah. you can kind of do it. And But the thing is, with JT, it hasn't been a once in a blue moon thing, right? Like, it's not – like if it, with him, it has been here. With talking, it has before, yes. it hasn't been. You know what sure. I mean? And, and given the way maybe JT's performed here the last five weeks, maybe it grants him a little bit of leniency. But I think that's the thing, too. It's like you're the one – and look, it's difficult. It's it's difficult being in a leadership role because you're the one that everyone looks at. And you mentioned, again today, slow line changes creeping back in, not getting the puck in. I, honestly, there was one by Kuzmenko yeah. not getting the puck in where he's skating in. There's kind of three Kraken players around him but not really any close. There was ample opportunity to get the puck in, and he just flipped it maybe five feet and it landed on the Kraken stick. And that's one I, I, I can just imagine Rick Tockett trying to pull his hair out yeah. saying, like, come on. What are we doing here? This is the easy one. And – you know, the, the the leadership sets the tone. And so when you lighten up a bit, I can understand why the rest of the team lightens up a bit. And for these last handful of games, and JT just the other day, you know, was yeah. critical of the team himself or saying, hey, like, we have to still compete the rest of this way here. And so maybe it's just lighting a fire into one guy to light the fire for the rest of the guys. But, you know, he also mentioned, too, that, Okay, if our if our top guys don't have it, like someone else is trying to try to bring some energy, and that's the thing. It's like we didn't see a lot of energy being brought from a lot of different players. Well, yeah, and and the other coaches before would always talk about somebody dragging them into the fight, and mm-hmm. I used to lose my mind, be like, why do we have to have people dragging them into the fight all the time? They need to be prepared and ready to go. But it's always like the coach looks down the bench and says, "Do I have a spark? Do do, do I get a spark from any of you guys? Does somebody have a spark here? Because." The team isn't doing it as a whole and as a collective, so they need individuals to come in and spark them up, and, and obviously they weren't able to do that. Um, now, ab- beyond that, mentioned straight-ahead game, you know, and he did also mention they have a lot of injuries, the back end with a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. injuries, and, you know, six NHL defensemen are essentially out right now. But he did... Sp- give some more praise for Akito Hiroshi. And again, this is a couple times. He's like, there's something there. There's something there. And he has been less, let's say, um, complimentary of other players. So you don't, I don't think it's lip service. Like, he's not just saying it for the sake of saying it. I think he's legitimately impressed by the kid. It sounds like it. Yeah, and you know the, the play you were talking about earlier, I imagine that's one that sticks out. And he mentioned a, a, a passing play or a couple reverses that yeah. stood out and application of details that they are asking for mm-hmm. is a big step and look I was saying here a couple of weeks ago availability is the most important trait got got to be healthy and you got to be consistently healthy coachability coaches are going to like that we tell you to do something you do yeah. it we're trying to form a game plan here we can extend some leniency for you to freelance a bit because you're the one on the ice you play it how you see it and try to create but generally speaking, if you execute what we think 
helps us win, that's going to be a big check in our column. So who's doing that right now? Yeah. Not, not enough of the, them. The, the guys who are getting opportunities are the ones that are applying the coaching points. So Hirose steps in and is executing what Rick Tockett is, and he's jumping up to 50 minutes. He said they had a low IQ game, and he had one of the players who had a higher IQ game. This stuff should, like, it's laid out for them. It just, are you going to walk the path that Rick Tockett is laying out for you? Yeah. That's how this works. Like, look, I, I, talent is important, and I think Jack Rathbone's got a ton of talent. You've got to transition talent to attitude, to to coachability, and extract more from your talent. Yes. It's not as if Jack Rathbone's got this run of games that he can look at and say, hey, like, hey, coach, I've done this before. These are your first attempts. And, and, it, and, like, this is all still new, so you got to work hard. And, and tonight he played 15 minutes, same amount of minutes that Hirose had, right? So, I mean, you look at tonight and say, okay, they both. But previously you've seen him not get rewarded with that ice time. What is that going to tell you? And I don't think it's, you know, it's these coaches not liking them. It's, it's about what you said. Can you apply the things we need you to do? And if you do, you get to play. And if not, you're not going to play. And I think the problem is a lot of guys are far away from that. And, and like, they've shown this already. Like, Dakota Joshua's up the lineup. Oh, I mean, guys it's get not, elevated. It's, it's, it's not as if it's chance. like a $5 yeah. million dollar contract. It's, he's doing it. Tell Kraftstuff, we just traded for him. Yeah. He's not in the lineup. Hirose gets this opportunity. He's in the lineup. Kyle Burroughs fights, plays physical. He stays in the lineup. Gets to play with Quinn Hughes. Noel Juleson sh- shows up. Played hard. Plays played hard. Well, yeah. Throws hits. Plays with Quinn Hughes. The coach is going to give you opportunities. It's not as if there isn't proof of performance as far as these opportunities being laid out. The only one that really stands out to me is the Brock Besser one, but we've talked about it. It's like, yeah, he's either on the second line or he's in the press box. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly where he finds himself. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. This one says, not saying a rebuild is needed, but management needs to keep their word about major roster surgery this offseason. And I think we all agree mm-hmm. about that. I mean, hey, you're not going to rebuild, but you still have to make major changes, and that still has to happen. And we'll see ultimately how much they can get done. Mossy and Langley, jokes for 60. Rick Tockett pulling his hair out. <laughs> Just like Bick pulling his hair out. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Brady from Surrey. Wha- I don't know why tonight I was <laughs> aggravated by it. Usually he's fine. He's like, today's no, I'm joking. I'm uh, joking. Brady from Surrey. Why can't they send Myers to the AHL and put him on waivers? Well, they could. Um, the thing is, they're going to try to trade Myers in the offseason. It doesn't matter now anyways. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we'll talk about where the Canucks find themselves in the standings and what that means for the draft lottery odds and everything and what happened on the out-of-town scoreboard. We'll get to that coming up after the break here. But... With Myers, even if they can or not, you're best off doing everything you can to trade him this offseason. And sending him down to the minors now and, and healthy scratching him doesn't help the situation. But we joked about this with you and, and Jamie uh, during play, during the second period. The way he's playing, like, is he putting enough bad tape on that nobody wants to trade for him? Like, I'm, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You can look at, at it both ways and say, I mean, will there even be a market with how he's playing, especially down the stretch here? But ultimately, the reason why they haven't gotten rid of him by putting him in the minors is they still very much like to trade him if possible. Yeah, and the financial component to it, yeah, you can bury him. But I, I think if you're going to pay out $5 million of bonus, what's the return on investment on that? Do you just say, hey, we can get X amount of games out of it? I will say, like, there's a better player than what we've seen in the past couple of games. Yes. There absolutely is. 
It's just a matter of trying to get that version of it to be more consistent. Yeah. I still think there's a resolution that ends up happening that works best for all parties. But, again, like, if we're talking about culture change, is there just too much scar tissue with someone like Tyler Myers? Is there too much scar tissue with someone like Brock Besser? Is that part of the culture change that has to happen? I think so. I think so. Because, again, I, I've seen this performance a lot of times. And there's, you, there's ways to get better. And you know why you get the sense of here we go again? Because you're together with here we go again. You have the same group of people, here we go again. That needs to change ultimately, right? And I think that's where you find yourself. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your text messages. You want to grab a phone line, you can. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 888 We'll hit more of your questions, and we'll hear from Elias Patterson, J.T. Miller, and Akito Hirose showed a lot of swagger and confidence last game of meeting with the media. Uh, we'll see how confident he was tonight after another strong performance, his second in the National Hockey League. We'll get to that and more after the Canucks lose 5-2 here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central postgame show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Clear to the near point. Garland trying to hold in. Tanev gets it ahead. Two on one short-handed for the crack. And Brandon Tanev shoots and scores for the left wing. Fired it over the shoulder of Colin Delia. And the Kraken tie the game at two with a short-handed marker. 5-0-7 into the second. Kraken go on to win 5-2 over the Canucks here at Rogers Arena. Canucks dropped their fourth straight game. And they haven't really fallen in the standings, but they've kind of been stuck in the standings, especially with the out-of-town scoreboard. We'll tell you about that in a second. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And we'll get to that reaction coming up in just a moment's time. And we are going to get to some player audio. Elias Pedersen, JT Miller, and the young, confident Akito Hirose and what he had to say after his second game in the National Hockey League uh, tonight facing the Seattle Kraken. And as far as the standings go... Does that make Philly uh, clowns and Washington jokers? Because <laughs> Canucks are stuck in the middle? No, that's, that's good. I knew you were going there with that. <laughs> stuck in the middle with with Philly. So Steelers the wheel Capitals. for you on there a Tuesday go. night. I like it. I like it. Uh, so the Capitals have done their best to to drop down the standings. That's the team the Canucks uh, are immediately below in the standings. They have 77 points in 77 games. True 500 team, the Canucks 75 in 77 games. Now the Blues won and so did the Red Wings. So that means the Canucks are now four points behind both those teams. St. Louis has played one more game. Detroit has the same amount of games played. Now because both of those teams have the tiebreaker handily, all three of those teams, including Washington. All three of those handily have the tiebreaker. Yeah. A four-point lead is effectively a five-point lead. The Canucks would have to gain five points on Detroit and St. Louis to pass them in the standings. Now, it's three points for Washington to pass them in the standings. A bit more catchable in that sense. But essentially, this game tonight doesn't guarantee the Canucks are picking in the bottom nine. But it makes it very difficult for the Canucks to fall out of the bottom nine in terms of the standings. So... Whether they get draft lottery luck or not, pick you know with the ninth or eighth worst record, it doesn't look like right now as we speak they're going to fall out of the bottom eleven to have zero shot at getting Connor Bedard. Uh, should we do some uh, schedule analysis here too? Is that what I should be? Uh, yes, trying yes. To pull up. All right. So the Detroit Red Wings. Not an easy schedule for them. 
Uh, no, they play Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Carolina, and Tampa. Yeah. So they're basically playing all playoff teams except for Buffalo. Yeah. So they might only have a win. Two left. points, maybe. Maybe two, three points. Maybe f- two to four points you're talking, yeah. right? Uh, Washington plays Montreal on Thursday. Yeah. Florida on Saturday. Islanders, Boston, Jersey to finish out the season. Not an easy schedule either. It, it, like the Eastern Conference game is going to be all tough because yes. there's a lot of better teams in the East. Philly, uh, having just lost to St. Louis tonight, they play Dallas on Thursday, Islanders, Boston, and then they end the season on Columbus and Chicago. So oh. there might be three to five points in Philly's future. Yeah. The and, Blues. And Blues have four games left. Uh, it's the Rangers, Wild, and then back-to-back games versus the Stars. Yeah, it's not easy either, mm-hmm. necessarily. But you think some of those teams will pick up two points or something here and there. I don't. Vancouver has five games remaining. The maximum points they can pick up is ten. And if you look at their schedule, the Chicago game obviously winnable. But on the out-of-town scoreboard, the Chicago Blackhawks defeated the Calgary Flames, which means the Calgary Flames' hopes for a playoff spot haven't fully gone up in flames. But, they but it's very close. Fast. It's very, yeah. very close. Um, and then Vancouver has the Flames here on Saturday. To close out their home so schedule, you, you kind of want Calgary to win their next game. To, so they, so they have motivation for the yeah. Vancouver game here, because if Vancouver, they can beat Chicago. If they lose to, if they lose to LA, they have LA and Calgary coming up. For all intents and purposes, it guarantees a bottom nine. Mm-hmm. So out of these final five games, if they want to ensure themselves a bottom five record, I mean bottom eight nine record, they kind of have to lose three, two, two to three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it is right now. Yeah. Now so, the, the the man, the Chicago win was a fourteen percent drop. Huge I, for that. I've said many times on these airwaves, not too worked up about you know two percent. Fourteen percent is a drop, man. That's that's a rough one. But yeah. hey, they kept a rival out of the well, not even a rival, a, a Western Conference opponent potentially out of the playoffs. I mean, the Calgary that's Flames. Cool. I mean, the yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, I don't know. The Flames looked like okay. They showed a little bit of hunger. And then that game in Vancouver was thoroughly unimpressive. And then tonight against Chicago, there's just something rotten in the state of Alberta, man. Oh, uh, we got a text, 650-650, unsigned. How about Calgary losing to Chicago? Silver linings, we suck, but Calgary fighting for a wild card and lose to a bottom feeder. Yeah, some people are hyped in the inbox <laughs> about uh, uh, the Calgary Flames. Of course. Who does, I would love, and people love seeing the Calgary Flames lose. Rafe and Nelson, the PP was atrocious tonight, as was the second. Top three pick is still on the table. They still have a chance to get that uh, top three pick. And somebody else texted in a bit earlier about the power play pick. And it was. But, I mean, the power play is something that's been a real sore, sore spot here uh, for this team. And you know, it was Jeffro who says special teams killed them tonight. Shorthanded goal, uh, killed the momentum, didn't do anything on the five on three. The decision to not just hand the puck over – to get the five on three, and then the puck clears, and the they puck waste clears. forty-five seconds. Yeah, they waste so much time, and then they lose the five on three face-off. Face it's just they, they, that was atrocious. Atrocious. That is was the right absolutely word. a question. Again, I think that's where you look at hockey IQ. Yes. There you go. Just it, give the puck away. It's, it's, you, you blew that one. You would have had a lengthy five on three, lengthy yeah. one. I mean, if you're trying to lose, sure, but I mean, you know, that's not what they're trying to do. No. You know, there's not a lot of outrage for those moments, but it is one of those ones where you look at and say, hey. Come on, you can't be doing this. Yes. And then had a four-minute 
power play as well, where they didn't really generate anything. To be honest, like the three best chances on the Canucks power play pretty much came by way of the Kraken. Yeah, I mean, the two-on-one chances. I mean, the, the Vince Dunn breakaway coming out of the penalty mm-hmm. box and the two-on-one from Tanev, which he scores on. And there was another two-on-one where Gord threw it into someone's feet. I think that was on the PK as well. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. That he was threw it into Queen Hughes' feet trying to make a pass. Yes, yeah, that was that, one. That, was that opportunity as well. Uh, this one from... <laughs> a lot of good texts coming in. Mark from Comox. I would like to be reimbursed for that Canucks effort, and I wasn't even in the arena tonight. <laughs> That's Mark from Col- Mark from Comox. Uh, jokes per sixty. This one coming in from Brandon and Poco. Uh, I'm also a weak-minded fan, having to watch this weak team. <laughs> I-, I would say you're strong-minded, Brandon and Poco. Always in the inbox. Always competing. Here at the end of the season, playing with that gritty mentality for Brandon and Poco. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we'll get to more of your uh, comments coming up here uh, in a few minutes' time. Um, I will say, you know, breaking down a power play a little bit, just in addition to what they did wrong here tonight, they're really having a hard time finding a focal point. Mm -hmm. You know, and as much as, you know, we used to criticize the power play previously for being a bit too rigid and trying to always force the play to, Horvat, and then a force to play to Pedersen on the one-timer, and then everything would kind of play off of that, and they were really looking to set it up. At least having those foundations and landmarks created a bit of consistency with them. Not to say you have to have that and have the rigidity. I just don't know what the focal point is for them, well, for them right say now. JT Miller's the focal point no, as I, far I guess as his that. past creation. His but past creation. But in terms of, like, wh- where do you get your shots from? Like, th- there isn't, there isn't, there's no longer a, no longer a this is the area yeah. where we're getting the shot from consistently anymore. There were a couple of moments where he, he joined the second power play at one point uh, when they were at the tail end and he was out there yeah. for a bit, and he fired a great pass across the seam all the way to the other side, and I can't remember who took the pass, but then there was no shot. I think it was Sheldon Drives who got that pass. Yeah. It was the second power play. That, unit that was it. right. Yeah. And there was no shot. Yeah. It's like, what? I just threw it through three sticks to get it to you. You got to shoot that. It has to be off. And it wouldn't have been a good shot because he wasn't ready for it. But that's the thing. It's like JT Miller's got the puck. You better be ready. Yeah. And there were a couple of moments where they didn't get ideal opportunities to get shots off. And they had a lot of power play time tonight. Yes. And we're talking about a team that wound up this evening uh, really struggling to generate shots. I think they end up with 18. Yeah, they, they added one more. They they end up with 18 shots on the evening. Yeah, and they got those final three in the last like couple minutes. I mean, they were at 15 shots for... In a game they were trailing in the third, it was really bad. I mean, halfway through, it was over halfway through. For a team with nine minutes of power play time, they got five shots. They had one shot on goal at the midway mark of the third period when they were down two goals. Kind of tells you how meek mm-hmm. that effort was and how little they were able and, to And look, to we generate. can talk about the energy that the other depth players needed to bring. Well, power play, you had ample time to get to, to inject energy into this game, and it, it was almost like a energy vacuum Well, oh, it was. It, it killed momentum. It totally was uh, an energy killer tonight. The man advantage for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, we'll get to more of your messages. We mentioned, however, we are going to get to player audio after this one. And Bick, Bick talked about JT Miller and, you know, JT Miller trying to create offensively. The head coach, well, he was critical of JT Miller's game, critical of everybody's game tonight. Mentioned the bad body language. And here is JT getting asked about what went wrong tonight. Got outworked in pretty much every area of the game and maybe had some looks in the third, but that's a playoff team sitting on a two goal lead. So uh, they know what they're doing. Frustrating was it when the power play has those chances and not really getting good looks? Yeah, our power play has been very inconsistent lately. Um, we did have some good looks in the first there on that one, uh, but in this, it just seems sloppy and we seem to be getting on our own page a little bit when things aren't going our way. And 
we're not really making a difference in the games lately, which sucks. Two goal lead goes away early. Does it almost feel like some of the stuff that happened earlier in the year in that regard? No, I don't think we're thinking about that. I just think we're worried about ourselves and putting a better effort on the ice against a really good team, a hardworking team. There's nothing fancy about their game at all, and they outworked us. Season low, 16 shots. Uh, what was the difficulty in, in getting those shots off uh, in the second and third there? Well, I mean, that's a, like I said, we got all work, so we didn't get many times to shoot it. Uh, they spent a lot of time on our end in, the, in our end the first two periods, and uh, it's just hard to get much momentum going. And then, uh, like I said, in the third period, they sat back and blocked a lot of shots. So, what they, went, sorry, what went wrong with, on the five on three? I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. JT, it looked like uh, you left the bench a little early at the end of the second. Did you block a shot? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, that's JT Miller after the game. Asked if he blocked a shot or he left early. He's like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, classic JT uh, after a 5-2 Canucks loss. And, I mean, you know, not happy with the effort, obviously. And he talked about them needing to do a lot better. But, you know, it's it was interesting because you heard his comments after the last game. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned how they were soft and was un- unacceptable and everything. And... It didn't inspire the rest of the group, and he wasn't able to kind of have that, you know. Hey, I'm gonna, I called them out last game. I'm gonna kind of put the. I, I didn't. I, I think I. I honestly don't think he was all that bad, to be honest mm-hmm. tonight. But I get what the standard was, and considering how upset he was last game, I can see how you would want to see more from him tonight. Yeah, uh, wind up uh, with four shots on goal, four attempts as well. Uh, so they all end up on goal. Five hits, two takeaways, on 14 faceoff wins uh, for 56 percent. In the draw again, he was fine tonight. Uh, was it the fiery performance after comments? No, but man, it, someone else has got to step up too. And and that's the thing. Like when we're talking about lack of energy and self preparation all over again, yeah, someone's got to be there. And like, who are the fiery guys tonight? Connor Garland, Garland, Bovillier. I mean... Ethan Bear dropped the gloves. Yeah. Again, I, I thought Pedersen was fine. I mean, Bear ended up not not playing a ton tonight because of um, well, he was, he was out. He was out because minutes, of yeah. five minutes and everything. Ended up getting fifteen minutes of ice time here tonight. It was just Quinn Hughes really getting fed a lot of minutes tonight. I mean, he still played twenty seven. Somebody texted in and said enough of uh, the ice time for for Quinn Hughes. Um, and, and somebody texted and said, Keystone cops out there most of the night. Embarrassing with, with how they were uh, playing defensively. Yeah, a bit of a shout to some uh, old comedy, some black and white comedy. But uh, honestly, um, when you look at that back end, though, it's so poor that I can understand why you feel the urge to keep throwing Quinn Hughes out there. Because mm-hmm. it's really bad. I mean, Myers kept struggling. Hero say we'll get to his audio coming up in, in a couple of minutes here. Yeah! But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm jacked. I'm jacked as hero. What he has to say. Who, who's competing for more uh, on airtime <laughs> on the postgame show? Rick Tockett or Hirose right now? Uh, I mean, Tockett has more to say. He he's been dragging one. out some of these uh, pressures. He has. Which is great. He's been fantastic. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things where... Like, not a lot happened tonight, and you talked for eight minutes. Yes. Exactly. Well, he was just ripping the team yeah. for eight minutes. He had a lot to say when asked about it. All right. You know what? Let's get to the Hirose audio. We mentioned that. And we'll get to more of your reactions. 6.56. There's a lot of good takes coming in. Yeah, some good takes. We'll get to that. But we mentioned Akito Hirose. He played a second game in the National Hockey League. The coach praised them, and here he is post postgame. Uh, I think they're pretty similar, I'd say. 
I think it's just, you know, just got to get my reps in. Just got to get used to the pace, I guess. How do you feel you're handling the pace thus far? I feel like I'm handling it pretty well, but, I mean, whether you're in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, I think no one's going to remember how you played. It's You lost the game, so that's all that matters. What's the partnership been like with you and uh, Myers? Uh, really good, yeah, really good. He's uh, kind of taken me under his wing a little bit and uh, been talking to me a lot and, that helps me out, especially as a new guy coming into the league, just knowing where to be or what we're doing off the face-off and stuff like that. These guys have been in this league for a long time. Do you feel like you can learn from him? Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, him, Burrs, I mean, Huggy, all those guys, they, they got a lot of experience back there, and I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. How, how tough has it been adapting to the systems, or are they pretty similar to what you've already been working on in college? I mean, a little bit different, but I think hockey's hockey so at one point or another growing up no matter what level you've done some form of the system so I think you just got to adapt and eventually you'll just get used to it. Thank you and from these conversations that we've had with you even after your first game um, you've seemed very relaxed is that an asset for you too on the ice? Uh, I guess so I guess it could be an asset and a, and a detriment depending on how you how you look at it I, I think I've been using it as an asset but sometimes it can uh work against me as well, but I, th- I think I've been getting a lot better at that since uh, as my journey went, has come along here. Does it take work to channel it then? Uh, not really. It's probably a personality trait, I guess. But it's just who you are, something yeah. that's true to you? Yeah. Happy to get some time on the penalty kill in this game as well? Yeah, just happy to get minutes out there. Just Like I said, get reps, get used to the pace, get used to the systems. That is Akito Hirose uh, after the Canucks lose 5-2. And, you know, exudes confidence. I was half waiting for him to say, yeah, I'm taking Tyler Myers under my wing, showing <laughs> showing how to play Dude, some rules. good detail in the hockey. And those guys, I mean, and hey, says the right things too, right? I mean, he fits in in that regard. This, this team knows what to say post game, and, and said it's not about, hey, nobody remembers uh, what happened unless okay. you lose a hockey game. What's the phrase <laughs> I broke out earlier this year that I said I was going to echo a lot of times this year? Hockey's the game. The business is winning. This dude had me at hello. <laughs> you lose the game, that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm in, man. <laughs> I'm in. Yes. 15 minutes ain't enough. That's not enough. We gotta, this guy's got to play more. I mean, it's refreshing. He's a couple of games in, and he's like, it doesn't matter if you're going to the playoffs or not. You lose the game, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Sweet. <laughs> this guy just wants to win. He's serious. You know what? We we talk about we, how many times have we you know been uh, you know ranting about this team talking about how unserious this group is. Here's a serious kid. I like that. We need more serious people in this organization. <laughs> he gets it immediately. I just I just want to see some W. <laughs> That's he, all I care about. Team Tank right now is like, oh no, not this guy. We don't think this guy. He cares about W's too much. <laughs> this guy cares too much. Can't have him around. Austin and Langley. Myers taking Hirose under his wing is like the new, uh, like the guy that gave his notice training the new guy. Austin and Langley. <laughs> that's, that's really that's I, will, <laughs> I will say, as far as I can be able to say it. Again, <laughs> we can complain about the effectiveness of you as a pro to get ready for an NHL game and there's been some issues with Tyler Myers but as far as like taking people under his wing and kind of being a leader 
He's very effective. Oh, yeah. Very, very effective. He's, he's, a, he's a very yes. good dude. And people talk about his leadership off the ice and everything. I mean, all those things were clear. And, and honestly, I mean, the biggest issue here is he's been asked to be something he's not. Mm-hmm. And he's asked to play in minutes he's not capable of playing. And it's really gotten away from him so far this season. Now, again, as soon as Hronik has left, you've seen the... Yeah, gr- it just kind of really it, starts to... It's really starting to slip. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what we saw a bit earlier this season. Uh, jokes for 60. Vince Dunn had us uh, done and done. Yeah. That's... <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Fonz in Vancouver. This man's interviews are elite. I find myself questioning my own life goals after this one. Fonz exactly. <laughs> this is just trying to raise the bar. Oh, and he's not he's not impressed at all by anything. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to make it here, guys. Like, I haven't earned anything yet. Like he's all. It's, it's also like kind of having as much as he's super confident. It's still clear that there is this obvious self awareness of his lot in life. Mm-hmm. Like. You got to do a lot more before you can be a player here and and everything. But it's nice to see somebody be have the right mentality and then play the play the right way. Mental grit, yeah, huge. I mean, it's just playing the right way, Bick. How many times have we said that this year? And this guy comes in, and again, he may not be like honestly. We're sitting here and talking. It's been the Akito Hirose post game show, and I don't want this to come off as he's going to be the next Tanev. He's going to be on this team long term. He may not even be a regular NHL player, mm-hmm. but the things that stand out are his details that make him reliable and acceptable, and how much farther ahead he is in those things. And some guys who've been trying to earn their way onto this roster on the back end, like a Jack Rathbone. Rathbone's a better player, faster, more skilled, better shot, moves the puck better, all those things. But he doesn't play the details and doesn't play defensively and think the game the way that guy does. And it shows you already how much farther ahead he is. Just in that regard. And that's what stands out to me. Yeah, and again, I'll go back to the play that you talked about. And look, all the traits that you mentioned about Rathbone, like, they're true. But how many circumstances are created in the game where you get to exhibit those? Yeah. Whereas Hirose's creating his opportunities because he's winning battles and he's winning a, a, a value play to seal off the boards yes. and allow the play to continue. When you go win those... You go to you give yourself the chance to exhibit other parts of your game. We keep talking about the environment being perfect for someone like Besser to get a shot off or someone like Rasbone to showcase all those skills. Man, this game's not perfect. You have to win in uncomfortable spots and messy surroundings. Yeah. He's 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 making it work right now he in comparison is. to some other players. And we'll talk about Cole McWard, the latest college free agent the Canucks announced signing today, and we'll hear from Elias Pedersen plus Ian McIntyre as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. On Home Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Gets it to Kuzmenko. Now for Joshua, behind the goal. To the bottom of the right circle, centering pass. To Kuzmenko, left circle, makes a move, cut into the goal. Pedersen scores! A beautiful goal behind his back! He beats Martin Jones! And the Canucks lead 1-0. Elias Pedersen opens up the scoring for Vancouver. The hey, they, they took a 2-0 lead. Not enough. Lose 5-2 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll hit some more as the show goes on here. Pedersen now up to 97 points on the season with a real chance of hitting 100 before this is over. Five more games remaining, and the Blackhawks in town on Thursday. Now, we'll hear from Elias Pettersson 
Uh, his post-game audio is coming up in just a couple minutes' time. Now, we haven't gotten to this yet, but we were talking about Akito Hirose, who is a college free agent signing, including himself very well through two games with the Canucks so far, and we'll see ultimately where that leads him. The Canucks did add another player to their stable on the back end. Cole McWard, who is a righty defenseman, over six feet tall, has a little bit of size, moves the puck well, according to people that watch him, um, has some details to his game, and he signs a two-year deal and is going to join Abbotsford on a PTO, and we'll see ultimately how that all wraps up for him. But the the Canucks have now signed, Bick, three players out of college Max Sasson as well, who's the center prospect. And also, they signed uh, the... Nikita Tolopilo. Tolopilo, who is the a Russian netminder. Belarusian. Be- 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 Belarusian goaltender uh, who's playing out of Sweden. So they've made four additions out of the free agent ranks, and they've added it to, to their team. And we'll see uh, what Cole McWard has in store for us. And based on the little I've kind of been able to gather here since uh, the Canucks signed him officially... He's a guy that they, they view as being similar to the mold of Akito Hirose in terms of what he can do, except for he's a righty and a bit bigger and a bit stronger. So, you know. If, what about in the media scrums, though? No, that's the big question. That's, I the, that's the big one. That's, that's, the one that's, that's, that's the one that's really going to be telling in terms of, you know, yeah. what he's going to be. Look, it's this is what you want to see. You, you open up all that space as far as uh, – Total contracts, yeah, and go be aggressive with it. This this puts them at forty eight or forty seven. I believe if this the, if this contract kicks in next season, then I don't. I think that right. it's, uh, he would be on a PTO, so I don't think it counts for this year's contract limit. But he is leaving Ohio State University after his his sophomore the Ohio the, State, the Ohio State University, and uh, he joins a teammate of his. Now, well, Canuck, who's from Ohio State, alum, alum and uh, Dakota Joshua, who we talked to before. But, you know, he is leaving with two years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. So he is kind of taking that leap out right now. And I think that might that's a bit of a surprise. That's the thing I heard was a bit of, bit of a surprise that he left went with a bit more eligibility left. Um, and that's one of the reasons why my, he might be a bit more intriguing than your average college free agent signing. And we've talked about how, hey, you have to be realistic about what the upside is for these guys and how hard it is for them to make the NHL and, and what they can be. But it seems like they've added an, another guy who's at the very least intriguing and the fact that he's a right-handed shot. Well, we know how important it is to have as many of well, those guys as possible. For, for Even for Hirose, you, you mentioned before the break, it's, okay, look, we don't know what this is going to be next year. probably might be in the AHL. Okay, that's still important. Yeah. That's still absolutely necessary. And... That mentality that he's got, okay, translate to the HL. There's still value in that. Yes. All these don't have to become top four D-man. These are singles. They're walks and singles. You Just get, get on, on base. base. Exactly. And if it develops into something more, fantastic. But these are free acquisitions that you're, that you're just finding depth in. And now you're not chasing depth with your draft picks because you've got this backfill of all these players that are in the organization that are pushing and competing for spots – and this is how you start to develop the baseline and players, your prospects now fill in and say, okay, this is what I have to beat. There's already, I don't want to say a log jam, but there's organizational depth. How do you create competition? You need someone already there to start that competition for them. And if they're getting their people and they get to mold them and say, hey, you're this age, or this is the role, this is what we expect. 
you need people to then jump the bar. This is what internal competition does. Slowly raises the bar, and then your your wave of prospects that come in have to jump that bar. Well, and, and now all of a sudden, if you have Noah Juleson, Guillaume Brisebois, Christian Willanen, these are your three guys who are kind of in the minors. One of them maybe makes it as your 7-8 defenseman. But then those are veteran guys. And now you have Ikido Hirose. Could could McWard, could one of the, Philip Johansson, who's the other guy they signed last year, big Swedish righty defenseman, who spent this year in Sweden, is going to come over next season. Can he be a guy as well? And these guys don't require waivers. They're super cheap. The type of cheap backfill that you can move up and down your roster, especially with Abbotsford being close, you need that depth, that... The replacement level players, but what do we see here in the past, Big? We, we saw players play who didn't belong in the NHL. And just belonging and being okay is is good as far as your depth is concerned. That's just a minor portion of it, but that's the latest player the Canucks signed. Cole McWard, six foot one, righty defenseman out of Ohio State University. And we'll see ultimately uh, how what is what is in store for uh, for him in his future with this Canucks organization. Uh, we'll get to more some of your text messages and thoughts before we get to Ian McIntyre. But we mentioned Elias Patterson, and here he is post game meeting with the media. Scored the opening goal of this game, not enough, however, losing five two. And here is Patterson. Uh, I think we came out pretty good in first, and after that we um, I don't know we. Didn't know what we did at first. We kind of just let up the play, let them take over. Power play was not good again. We got a um, first off birdie chances we create, but just be more if it's discipline or just work harder. But it's just got to be better. What happened on the five on three? It just seemed disjointed. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, we didn't get the goal, which we should on the five on three with a minute, but. Um, just gotta look in video and uh, see what we can do better. Cause yeah, it's not good enough. You learn from a team like that that's had such a turnaround in its second year and doesn't do anything fancy, but they just seem to play hard and consistent at the crack. They um, they always work hard. Um, props to them. Uh, they always work hard. Four lines just keep rolling. Um, got them. They got a, a lot of skillful players. I think they're a very well balanced team, but. Uh, we, uh, our effort today wasn't good enough. Was there something that they did in the second and third that kind of limited the opportunities you guys got? Yeah, I guess um, uh, it's not the only, uh, what was I going to say? Um, we didn't play good, but could be a reason because they made us uh, play bad too. Uh, but what it is, I don't know. Um, I just didn't see more effort wasn't there today. Your goal that seemed to be a pretty skillful bit of improvisation. What was going through your mind in that moment when you pulled it behind you? Um, I saw that uh, Jones was, I guess, out of position or didn't cover far side of the net, so I just tried to, I don't know, flick it to between my legs or whatever. I don't know what I did, but yeah, went in. Four straight losses now after you guys were on a pretty good roll there for a while, and you talked about how important those games were in March because you want to. <laughs> rebuild culture and, and how you play does that make these final five now that much more important to get off of this definitely I mean we our last three or four games uh, we haven't played a good 60 minutes of hockey the way we've been playing uh, the previous um, 10 or 12 games I don't know what it was but uh, it's just our I don't know it feels disconnected I don't know what it is but I got. I can be better. Everyone's gonna be better. Uh, it's gotta demand more of ourselves. 
how challenging is it at this time of year, and how important is it to avoid looking as a team the way you guys did in the third tonight? Uh, say it again. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how hard is it at this time of year to avoid sometimes looking the way your team did in terms of your performance as a group in the third period? Yeah. Um, I mean, we weren't happy with the second period, so we just talked about coming out play play a hard third. Um, yeah. That is Elias Patterson after a 5-2 loss on home ice and, you know, mentions he's got to be a lot better. And, you know, he did give a little bit of credit to the Seattle Kraken, mm-hmm. said, hey, they also forced us to play that way too. But a lot of their issues tonight was, number one, they don't have a lot of great talent on the back end and with a lot of stuff going on, that, that hurts them. But for a team that had a day off, like the coach mentioned, didn't have enough energy tonight. Stands out, right? Yeah. And there's been all this conversation about the minutes for the primary big guys, and so maybe there's a residual effect at the end of a season, 77 games. Are they? Do they have much gas in the tank? Have yeah. they burned out? And and look, there's some comments coming in the inbox saying like, "This is why you don't play them so much." Well, th- there's also people wanting to see the losses, and so we we said it's like there's a cascading effect to playing some of those guys. There's it, a dimin- there's a diminishing law of return. diminishing returns. Yes, it 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 catches up with you. It catches up, and so on a night when you need some other guys to provide a little bit of energy, where was it? And it didn't materialize because. I know you push back on the idea of like, hey, how come someone always has to be pushing, dragging someone else into the fight? This is one of those nights where I would have liked to see someone... Somebody do something. Somebody do something, and then maybe hey, it sparks the big guys. Because look, you know, Seattle didn't have a lot of energy in the first period. No. I mean, Gord scores that yeah. goal. And I, like, I, I know Eberle had the breakaway, but that was kind of out of a broken play. And they had a chance on the power play with Short. But you know, it was a listless period that they... They're down to nothing, and then Gord scores a nothing goal, and suddenly they go into the period thinking, okay, hey, look, we're back in this. we got a chance here. Let's wake up and take this seriously. We can get out with two points, and they were fantastic in the second period. And like that was the game, obviously. The, the special teams plays a component to it, but they woke up. Someone sparked something, and away they went. At 2 nothing, the Canucks kind of fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's kind of – I mean, did they fall asleep, or were they kind of just asleep? And happen yeah. to do a couple things, Fair, right? Yeah. I mean, it, go, it goes kind of both ways, or either way, really. Regardless, it, it wasn't good enough. A cam from Vic. Just listen to the Hirose interview again, and I, am I hearing double? Akito Hirose sounds like Ian McIntyre, low key, of course. Love the show, gents. Keep it up. That's Cam from Victoria. Guess what? We'll compare when <laughs> Mac joins us. Yeah, he'll he'll join us pretty soon, and we'll get his thoughts on what he thought he saw tonight, and also what this means here for the rest of the of the season. And I know Pedersen did kind of mention too. Uh, that, you know, these next five games and how much they mean. I mean, we'll see. Like, it, it's very clear that there has been quite a bit of waning going on right now. And we one thing we haven't talked about is goaltending. Colin Delia didn't have a good night tonight either. Well, the first goal is really the only one that I look at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the first one. But there were moments where you kind of, like, clutching at it. Yeah. And did he actually have it? One squeak through him. Another just unsure moments, but it's really just the first one because look, it, it changes the game. It does Goals change the game. It and does. They wake up a bit. Power plays the the thing that to me is the big story tonight. But and they were bad defensively. I mean, yeah. they were, or bad as a team. They didn't really uh, play all that well overall tonight. But I mean, you have Chicago coming up next. You have the final home game against the LA Kings. 
for the final home game, do you want to go with Demko for that one, or do you want to go with Delia for that one? Does it matter? Do we overthink these things? Because if you're alternating starts, you're going back, you're going to Demko against Delia Chicago. On fan Delia. appreciation night. It just seems like a game you would give Demko, right? Well, they're gonna. F there is a back to back Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So they'll split those. I would imagine Demko gets the last game of the season. Hockey night, or the last home game of the season. Hockey yeah. night, fan appreciation night. So does Demko get two in a row here then? Or does Delia get two in a row? Because right. at, at some point, like... Some, one of, I mean, it, someone's going to have to play two in a row at some point. At some point. Is it Delia the guy that gets two in a row? I mean, hey, your, your best chance to ensure you don't win enough games is to play Delia the extra game. And you've, I mean, I think so far... That's why I think it was... If they were trying to game this up. Right. Demko versus Seattle has more of an impact on the result than Demko versus Chicago. Yes. Because like you're probably going to win the Chicago game anyways. Regardless of it. Demko versus Delia, it's like, okay, whatever. Just we can play Demko in that one. Whereas Delia versus Seattle does impact the result. Yes. So you wonder against the Kings, Delia would impact the result more than Demko, but as a fan of appreciation, I, if those things matter or not. Oh, uh, versus the Flames. Versus the Flames, sorry. Yeah, yeah versus, versus the Flames. And the Kings, is gonna be, I, I think you probably give Delia the Kings game. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what the, what the Canucks ultimately do here. But they have five games remaining. And, uh, well, we know this is really about mitigating how far you move up the standings to some degree sure. in terms of how you view it. But they lost tonight. Now four points back of Seattle, uh, back of the Port uh, Portland. I'm, like, losing my mind Portland now. Capitals? Been, Portland Capitals. I mean, f f four points back of the Detroit Red Wings, and four points back of the St. Louis Blues, two points back of the Washington Capitals. But all those teams have the tiebreaker over the Vancouver Canucks. So, effectively, three points back and five points back of those teams. All right, it's time to get to the closer of this show, the man we call the triple threat. You see him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. I'm just going to listen to the music tonight. <laughs> I think there's a version of this that actually goes for 15 minutes, so that might be the good segment right there. It might be one day. We'll just play it. It's like, this is Ian McIntyre signing off. All along the Watchtower. Boy, if Rick Tockett had been on the Watchtower tonight, I think he might have shot some of his players. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think so, too. I think you might be looking at it saying, you know what? Snipe this guy. Snipe that guy off. Yeah. Except you that You want to have some energy? Shoot I guess, for the feet. I guess that would, though, so if you were on the watchtower, uh, you for that to happen, the players or the prisoners would actually have to show some initiative <laughs> yes. to try to get out. They'd have to have some energy. And... Uh, as Tockett said, they didn't have any energy. No, they, they didn't. This was dismal. It really was. Like, it wasn't as bad. Like, well, who knows? It, we forget because for a while things were pretty good with Tockett. You know, they have made a lot of progress. It, it was easy to forget just how awful some of those mm -hmm. games in the final days of Bruce Boudreau were. So uh, in, in terms of performance and... And execution. This wasn't anywhere near no. as as bad as some of those games. We've seen far worse. But in terms of in terms of you know expectation and and some kind of response, you know, because they weren't very good their last couple of games. Uh, tonight was really quite bleak. You know, to to have the second mm -hmm. period that they did, and then have 
by my count, one shot through the first 16 minutes of the third period. And those 16 minutes included a, a four minutes of power. Yes. I mean, that's astonishing. Like, that's... We'll see. Well, I, I hope, I really hope that the final five games are not like this, even even though the draftists are rejoicing <laughs> at what what I think a lot of us have been expecting, that the Canucks eventually there'd be a little correction here. Yes. You know, they weren't going to continue to be whatever it was, a 700 team for about five weeks there. Yeah. But uh, this this was pretty dismal. I think it's okay for you to lose. I think the team is okay with it. It's never okay <laughs> to lose. <laughs> but I think th- I think they would accept the losses, but not meekly. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's really really starting to grate the head coach. How he's mentioned soft a couple times. I don't want to mention that word. It's it's easy to throw out, but this team does lack some backbone, and it becomes pretty evident. You know, pretty regularly and. Third coach now in just over a season, Ian, that talks about self-preparation being an issue. You had a day off, what happened? That's a problem. And we've heard numerous coaches echo the same sentiment for this team in self-preparation. Yeah, I, I think this team is just, <clears throat> they're exhausted. You know, they're 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 tired mentally. They're sick and tired as well of, of all the losing. And the, they are kind of looking forward to the end of mm-hmm. this season. Some of the guys. But Tockett was also correct this morning when he said that a lot of these guys can't afford to take a take a night off. That uh, a lot of them are are playing for a spot next season, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's true. In the end, though, I mean, you need more good players, but you know the 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 top players on this team are going to be whatever the team is, the top players are going to lead them there, and their top players weren't very good tonight. And I know that Tockett said that he, on nights like this, you need your uh, other guys to, to drag the team into the fight. And they obviously didn't have those other guys, but I'm not, I'm not sure they have those other guys, yeah. period. Uh, but their best players were pretty poor tonight from, from what we'd come to expect. The weak-minded people comment... Uh, and just discussing body language. Do you take that as a challenge to correct the behavior, or is that an accusation of you'll never figure this out? Oh no, I don't think it's you'll never figure this out because I don't think I don't think Talkit is has been that way. I don't think he has uh, um, you know dismissed anybody. Like even yeah. when even when he talks about someone like Kravtsov, and he's very critical of Kravtsov, he's still talking about how he can have a great summer and be back and still be part of this team and be a good player for us. I, I think most coaches are that way. You don't get very far by just, especially in mid-season, saying, well, this guy can't play or this mm-hmm. team's hopeless. And, and so I, I don't think it's uh, – I, I see it more as the former, that, that it's a challenge. And, and you know, it, JT Miller is going to take a lot of, you know, crap. Uh, yeah. Obviously, for dashing to the dressing room, however early it was, was yeah. it thirty seconds or whatever it was, or something, yeah. in the, late in the second period. Um, but you know, the the whole team. It seemed to me most of the team had checked out by then, and in Miller's case, we saw how bad his body language was mm-hmm. early in the year, but we also have seen how dramatically it has improved the last couple of months. And, you know, coincident or not, so has JT Miller. 
you know, with that body language. He's he's just been, a, you know, a great player for. I was going to say beast, but I always think of Ryan Kessler when I say, <laughs> you know, beast beast mode. But he's he's been an outstanding player for him, and he wasn't outstanding tonight. But I see this as a challenge, you know, for the team to to show more energy and to show more positivity and you know push each other along that way like don't drag each other down with the negativity push each other forward with the positivity and i don't think that's only about jt miller i i think that was about the team i don't disagree about that i mean i do think with jt specifically he's definitely part of it and i think for next season it's kind of a, he did say that he's not going to stand for any of it though it's like that's not going to be part of what we do here and JT, I think, has shown a willingness. But I think next year is going to be very telling. Like, he set, he set the expectations talk it has. He's told them what they need to do this offseason. I don't think there's going to be any kid gloves at all in training camp if anybody shows up or and isn't in line. It's like, you've kind of been warned this is a grace period. You better be in line day one in training camp. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I also think that's a fantastic thing, like, to have – that level of accountability. Now, maybe, you know, some people might argue that the um, pendulum is, has swung too far, that the guys got away with way too much. Yeah. But now maybe it, it's too demanding and, and you could risk um, losing some of these players or, or, or turning them off, putting them off. And, and somebody like JT Miller, he's going to be just starting seven-year, $56 million contract. is probably a guy you want on board. But I also think that Talkit, this isn't new. Like, this is perhaps the most uh, uh, blunt he has been in talking about things like body language tonight or or the energy levels after a day off. But I think he's been consistent all along. I think he brought these standards. Remember, you know, his first press conference called him certain non-negotiables yes he has brought this from day one and i think the players all understand that and uh, i think it's a great thing because it, it it's really the only way to build uh, a winning culture mm-hmm. you need to get to the point where that standard is not um, invoked by the coach but maintained by the players and when you look at a team like you know, Tampa Bay right now is probably the best example. They they just have that standard. I mean, John Cooper is a great coach. He doesn't have to go in the room yeah. between periods when they stink because I can guarantee you there'll be players telling each other how much they stunk. Mm-hmm. The Canucks had that uh, when, you know, the Sedins were here and, and a lot of other players. Like, the Sedins get a lot of credit, and they should. But there was a lot of character uh, in that room. If you look... You know, it's uh, some of the guys already who are building a second career either in management or as coaches um, uh, from that group. You know, they're, that was self-sustaining culture and identity for several years. And then uh, eventually, you, you know, you have to win to back it up. You know, yeah. the, the win, winning is like the oxygen that allows that to live, that, that culture. And, and eventually, if you stop winning, then that culture is going to change. And, of course, players change, too. Uh, the only way to build that is to have these have these demands. And you set that standard as a coach, and you just don't waver. I also think that's why, and I've made this point, you know, I don't know what the Canucks will be next year, but I think they have a lot better chance to be successful because they're going to have that level 
of accountability. That what Talkit has done in terms of ideology, how he expects the team to play, how he expects them to battle, the energy levels, uh, he's not going. He's not going to waver on that. And so, you know, how many games the teams win because of it? Uh, who knows? How many of these players are not back because of that? We don't know. We don't know that either. But they they're going to have a much stronger platform to be successful as long as Talkit doesn't yield, doesn't cave in, you know, set maintains these standards and gets everybody to buy in and. What's been so great uh, for the most part about his time is, you know, not only has he got most of the players to buy in, he's got all of the top players to yeah. buy in. Like, we've seen the the very best of of Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Kuzmenko. Uh, we've seen the best, uh, certainly this season, of Thatcher Demko when he came back from injury. And I know that's a little bit different. The, the goalie's kind of in his own world, but he's, he's still a very influential influential part of of the leadership group so he needs to talk it needs to you know just maintain that and yeah. and if those guys have character uh, to go with their talent and i think all of them do then they should be setting that standard next year and if once the team starts to win and you bring new players in and this is the culture they experience from day one then eventually if you're really lucky you'll get to that point where that it's the players who run that culture, and you don't have to have a coach saying the things like he said tonight. What? I had something, but I I lost my train of thought after winning his oxygen. I was yeah. like, oh, that's that's a good line. That's a good line. That's oh. why he's the writer. Yeah, exactly. You. And you should read his latest on Sportsnet.ca as well, because we're we're up against the clock here towards the end. I, of the I show, better get always. get rewrite on the line because I didn't actually use that in my story. But that's now that one. I know that you're file a fan, it, file it for another day. Because your opinion, Vic. It means so much to me, your high opinion, literary opinion especially, on the usage wow. of words. That uh, means a lot to me, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> Were you on TV tonight? I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. Me. Were you? No. Uh, me neither. I'm sad, of course. Yeah, sad, sad, of course, yeah. was on TV. Never misses a broadcast. Well, let's just say sad. Ian had the option. If you really wanted to, if you really wanted to, exercising the option, I kind of took the option. He could have, if he really wanted to be on, he could have been on. He could have forced his way on if he wanted to. But he said, "You know what? It's it's getting late in the year. I know Dan wants to work some other people in. He's probably, you know, had some gone a long time with just you and I sat and needed some freshness. He So So he got a bit of freshness. He got a ratio. Got Drance today. So he got a bit of everything on the show. But Ian, great stuff as always. Is that everything? Just those two? Yes. I mean, I was there, but okay. Yeah. That's all, that's the only difference. <laughs> How come you didn't go on with Thomas? I mean, hey, there was a draft segment coming up. You needed uh, his all Thomas plan. all the time. That's what it was. I mean, I, it was fine. You know, I did one intermission. I had the second one off, so it wasn't too bad tonight. All right. I know he's listening to the show right now. So. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, great stuff as always. Make sure make sure to read his latest on Sportsnet.ca. He's Bick Nazar back on the People Show tomorrow. Three to four. What's happening tomorrow? Ian, Ian McIntyre? McIntyre on the show. That, that, that's why. I'll, I'll save all the good all questions. Right. For Winning tomorrow. is oxygen. oxygen yes. That's we're just going to breathe on the air for uh, yeah. eight minutes, and we're like, "This is a winning segment right here." <laughs> this is the. Uh, this is going to be a title of the uh, the podcast tomorrow as well. I'm Satyar Shaw back on Canuck Central tomorrow with Josh Elliott Wolf, who's producing the show here tonight from Rogers Arena. It is overrated, underrated. 
underrated tomorrow, plus Kevin Woodley. And special thanks to Ben Bastron back at the studio producing the show. And thanks to all of you for listening, participating, and being part of the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.